Crows are back on deck this week as we travel down to the Cattery to kick off week three of the NAB Challenge. We give you a preview of the game with special guest Willow from the Cats board. We talk to Big Fella, moderator of the Big Footy Adelaide board, about his visit to Crowland and meeting with CEO Andrew Fagan. Plus, we take Big Fella through the grill with the dirty half dozen. All this, news from the club and around the AFL with Nicky New and views from all the panel. There's no crap here. This is Crowcast. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Adelaide Bigfooty Crowcast. I'm Peter Jay, and I'll be your host this evening as we punch out episode three of the Crowcast in 2015. And actually, we've even got a social media platform going at the moment, so if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're up and about on uh, BF Crowcast. All right, um, we've got a great show lined up, up, up for you tonight. Um, we've got uh, all the news from around the AFL, of course. Um, we've got a preview of the big game between the Adelaide Crows and the Cats from down there at Skilled Stadium. Uh, Willow from the Geelong board will be joining us and giving us his thoughts as to uh, from a Cats perspective. And also, we have got a new segment this evening. It's going to be called a Board Talk. Uh, we'll have a, a bit of a chat of things that are happening around the Big Footy board. And joining us tonight will be the uh, highly respected moderator, the big fella himself, and he's going to have a chat to us tonight about a very, very interesting meeting that he had with a few other people from Big Footy with the Crows CEO, Andrew Fagan, and, of course, uh, Ian Shuttleworth, the communications manager. It was amazing to think that uh, they could go down there and have a meeting and um, and set a bit of a platform for communications between the uh, the social media Big Footy and also the Adelaide Crows Football Club. So that's going to be a really interesting interview. Um, stay with us. It's uh, sure to be uh, very, very informative and it will give uh, both people on the board and also people that are listening an insight as to how the relationship's going to go forward. So anyway, without further ado, we'll uh, have a chat to the people that are going to help me uh, through the evening this evening. First of all, the creator of the uh, Adelaide uh, Big Footy Crowcast, Specious Argument. How are you tonight, Specious? G'day, Pete. Going well. We've also got with us our uh, techie and um, the uh, bit of a comedian from last week as well, Phoenix. How are you tonight, Phoenix? I'm well, thanks, Peter. How are you doing? Really well, thanks. And finally, of course, uh, one of the uh, probably the most respected poster on the Adelaide Big Footy board, it's Nikki New. How are you this evening, Nikki? I'm very well and probably only respected because I used to be a mod. <laughs> yeah, look, we have to always pay attention and be careful what we say around you. All right, look, we'll, uh, we'll hop straight into it. And uh, first segment, as we always do, we'll uh, have a chat about the news uh, that's going around, around at the AFL at the moment. And uh, that's, of course, Nikki's News. So we should probably start off with the results from what's been going on with the NAB challenge. Luckily, there were no major injuries this round, which was a good thing. Um, Essendon got beaten pretty easily in the end, which was a given. Uh, West Coast all were kind of also, that was a bit of a given that they were going to get beaten. Now, GWS beat the Suns, which was interesting because it has muted that possibly that was due to the short turnaround for the Suns because they were level up until three-quarter time. Frio, this was a little while ago, Frio took a, a bit to get hold of Melbourne and the one game I did see um, pretty much in its Atari was Hawks and North and that was a decent game uh, with North just getting the win in the end. Also from the NAB challenge, there were two charges laid. Quite rightly, the weight charge got thrown out, um, but the non-10 goal Tommy Lynch, other words, the one from the Suns, he was banned for one match and he'll miss the opening game of the season. And what people seem to have forgotten is, is that now that we've got the new review board that's come in, they've wiped all of the points that were carrying over from last year. So there's certain players who would be very happy about that. Also of interest, I think, that came out was that Norwood um, put Port Adelaide in the away change rooms, and some people seem to be not so happy about that happening, which was kind of amusing. And in other news that kind of relates to Ag is we can go, oh, poor Triggy. Uh, Carlton have some membership woes. They've called in assistance from the AFL and they've sacked their membership manager. Um, it does seem to predate um, from when Trigg has joined, but, yeah, there's some interesting comments being made on the board regarding that. What a surprise there from Trigg. Oh, I'm sorry, I had nothing to do with this, but AFL, can you fix it for me? Yeah, funny about that. Also, I found quite interesting is that Lee Matthews, I'm not sure if people remember, he's now on the board up at Brisbane. So there was some interesting things happening up there 
similar to kind of what's been going on down with us with Rue on the board. Um, Lee Matthews has just been recently named the deputy chairman for the board. So there's a, a little bit of power breaking going on there. A little bit of news uh, coming out of the uh, Port Power Football Club that Keith Thomas, the CEO there, was complaining about uh, the uh, being consulted in relation to top-up players for their potential ASADA victims. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because in a way I can understand that, yes, the AFL only talked to Essendon and seemed to ignore the fact that there were um, players from other clubs, but they've only got two and they can cover it. And so I was kind of laughing a bit about it. It was like, oh, woe is us. Oh, but we can cover it. But you should have talked to us, but we can cover it. So I don't know whether it's just a jumping up and down just to say that they're doing something. But in light of that, we actually know some of the players now who have not received infraction notices. So play last weekend against the Saints. So that's Jackson Merritt, Nick O'Brien, Elliot Kavanagh and Lachlan Dalgis. We can now add Zaharakis to that list because he's been named for the Friday night game against GWS. Also named is Joe Danaher. He was the one that there was a lot of queries about as to whether he was or wasn't involved because whilst he wasn't officially on the list, he was still at the club and he was also 17. So there was some, you know, if he was a part of that supplements program, there there could be some really major issues for Essendon there. But he's been named, so that means he doesn't have an infraction notice, which is a good thing for Essendon. And in other Essendon news, Sheedy is back with them. So we get some more nuttiness from Sheed's for the, the year instead of him sort of trying to defend GWS, which he's still doing um, today. They're really trying everything they can to take the focus off the drug scandal, aren't they? I think it's more covering their bases um, and getting names back at the club so that their fan base will be okay because they will have, they've got Harvey back. They've now got Sheedy back. These people who have such respect for the fan base that if something does happen, which we suspect and her does go the the golden boy that they've all rallied around. They can now rally around Sheets. They can now rally around Harvey. So it's, in a way, it's, I think it's good PR, but we can kind of see that that's what they're doing. Sheet is also the king of spin as well. So you can imagine that he's going to be all over whatever the result is and putting whatever weird Sheedy talk around it, you know, just to try and deflect and, and all that. He's the master of it. I find this cult of personality that they have incredible. Is, is there anyone in the history of the Crows that we would let get away with potentially you know, injecting illegal substances or at least not knowing what substance was, were injected into the players? Like, I, I don't think there's anyone that we regard that highly, is there? No, I wouldn't have thought. Well, really, the, the equivalent that we have is Rashido, isn't it? And, I mean, he's never uh, got into the, um, to the area of coaching, but I really just can't imagine if he did that uh, that, that would be acceptable at all, even, even for the root. That's an interesting point because you think of those big arguments that been that that regularly come up on the main board. Who's the best player? Buckley, Voss, Hurd, and they always and and generally when that comes up, a lot of Adelaide supporters jump up and down and go, "Ah, uh, you need to include Rusciuto in there." And they never do. They forget about him. But he's the one out of those three that hasn't gone into coaching, knows that it's not for him, and yet those three we can kind of say, "Well, they've gone and wrecked their clubs." I think that that's actually a very apt uh, summation there, because looking at those three guys, like they none of them have turned out to be particularly good coaches. No, and they're all ego driven as well, um, and you could argue that Rashido is as well. But it just seems to me that Voss was very belligerent in the way that he went about things at Brisbane. Um, Buckley is very single minded at Collingwood, and um, you know Hurd has done what he's done, which is obviously very Hurd focused. Whereas Rashido. Whilst he's obviously got a um, a pretty good opinion of himself, he seems to be motivated for the right reasons. And he actually understands his limitations. He he knows that coaching isn't for him. And that ability to, even if other people might have pressured him to go into it, which seems to be what's happened with Hurd, Hurd doesn't seem to have the presence of mind to go, no, that's not what I'm good at. Um, whereas Rue has. The other thing I think is the one player they always gets left out of that discussion is actually Robert Harvey. And yet he actually, I think, in terms of coaching, he's probably the best out of the lot. Um, and he's quite happy in his, an assistant coach role at the moment, but he had, there's very big raps on his coaching. 
Where's Robert Harvey at now? I'd lost track of him. I'm trying to remember which club he was at Collingwood, and I think he might still be there. Yeah, I think so. But he, he, I mean, that was his personality, wasn't it? He was always very humble and certainly not one to revel in the limelight, so to speak, whereas the others have em- embraced it. Fellow. The, the thing that interests me is that there was always this under-the-table under discussion back in the 90s about the Crows' use of ketamine and a few other substances back then. A lot of other clubs were pushing the boundaries back then as well. And you could argue that that's not actually very far removed from the current situation, right or wrong. But what Adelaide did was they actually checked it with the AFL. And all of those substances that we did use were always thrown to the AFL first, say, this is what we're going to use, is it okay? Yeah, and the same with Brisbane with their advanced use of, um, you know, hyperbaric chambers and their their use of um, half-time injections for certain things as well. I can't remember what they were doing, but there was something going on. Half time, they were having IV fluids and actually had the needles put in before the game. So they were playing half a match with a needle um, or a cannula still in their elbow. Which then got quite rightly banned once the AFL found out about that one. Yeah, the, the, the thing that I found out um, was that at Adelaide, we actually have a medical and sciences committee and they meet once a month. So it's all the medical staff and all the, the sports scientist stuff. They all meet. They discuss what's going on. They let everybody know what treatments have been done for which players. And this was, um, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was an interview with um, Professor Kevin Norton and who, who d- discussed it. And he actually said that Dank had approached Adelaide and he took one look at um, his information. And because he knew Dank, because he had been um, a master's student with him, he just said to Adelaide, stay as far away from him as possible. Interesting stuff, Nikki. Always good to get that insight. Just on the um, the current uh, side of thing, a lot of people, you know, whenever you're talking about it, you know, when is it going to finish? When is it going to finish? How, are we any uh, any end in sight? Do you think we might get an answer? Before, we might get a tribunal decision before the start of the season, but I'm not banking on that. It appears that what they're doing is they're making they're writing decisions for each individual charge. So there's 34 of them that have to be written. So that's a that's a fair bit to go through. And if there's 300, what is it? I think they said 340 pages worth of evidence for each individual. And then there's all the summation stuff and the evidence has gone through. That's a lot they've got to go through. And if they're individualising everything, then yeah, it's. I think the AFL said, as far as they're aware, it could be the end of this month. It might be a little bit into next month. Well, there's a lot of talk now that they're actually going to provide individual rulings which may vary between players, So, which seems rather strange um, given that it was a, a club-wide program that certain players are going to be penalised differently than others. Depends on what evidence they've got as to who's got what. Um, there's been talk that some of the players have said, yes, I was given thymosin, which I knew to be TB4, Dank told me it was, and he also gave it to these players. So that means that they've rolled over on some of the other players. So they can get a substantive dis, um, discount for assistance in, in that instance. Those other players, um, there's also been talk that some lied in their interviews to Asada. So there's people, there wasn't the same set of information for everybody that Asada was able to get. So, Nikki, for a guy like Job, right, Job's, I guess, the one that we're all kind of watching, didn't he, he came out publicly and said, yes, I believe I took TB4. Now, if he doesn't roll on any players, does something like that admission count as assistance in, in terms of he just looking at, he's volunteered that information and now he's stuffed because of it? No, Job said he had AOD 9604, which is banned, but there was some mitigating circumstances regarding that, which is why Asada aren't following through on it. So he did take a banned substance. We know that, and he's admitted that on national television. He said that there was a good thymosin and a bad thymosin, and Dank told him that they were having the good thymosin. Um, There's no such thing as thymosin. That's where it gets confusing. We know it's TB4 that they were given. That's what's been stated. It's really hard to tell. Um, what's going on with him. In terms of admitting, I think if they show, even if they protested up until the point of them being found guilty, but then if they show contrition, they can get 
a discount to say, oh, yeah, okay, you got me that. I didn't know what it was. You've proved that's what it is. Okay. So until we actually know what information has reached them, and we may not ever know, that's the problem, it's a bit hard to tell. You can imagine that if players get varied sentences or, or suspensions and the basis of those variations is on the evidence given and, as you mentioned, perhaps players rolling over on other players, that, that's got the potential to tear the life out of that club. Well and truly. And there was another little report which came out which is saying that player managers have said that if players get found guilty and they miss a chunk of the season, they're going to walk away from Essendon and start suing. It could be one hell of a mess going on. I also can't see how um, they can give those players anything less than the maximum suspension when they give poor Ahmed Saad two years for taking a drink that had a had a bit of stuff in it that probably didn't do anything for him. You know, that guy gets two years. How can they give um, people that participated in a in a specified drug program, anything less. It's proving it's a hard thing because there's no such thing as a positive test for those substances. There's a, there was a positive test for facade and he actually got a bit of a reduction. He actually only got 18 months instead of the two years. Um, Asada weren't happy with that, but the AFL tribunal actually gave him the 18 months because he fessed up straight away and goes, oh, yeah, bugger, I did, sorry. It's certainly going to be interesting. Well, I'm not sure if it's interesting. It's probably just going to be a relief. It was, prob- it was probably interesting about two years ago, but it, uh, now we're just at the point where I think we'll just be relieved for it all to finish up. It's just turned into so much of a fast. I, I just want to see the end of it. I don't think that anyone, anyone is going to get justice here. I don't think anyone's going to feel like the right the right was done by the AFL or by themselves or by their club. I think Essendon supporters are going to be aggrieved no matter what happens. They're going to feel it as a conspiracy. Everyone else is going to feel like it was a big waste of time and Essendon got away scot-free. No, I think it's going to probably end up feeling like a whole lot of family law court proceedings where they drag on for five years and everyone still hates each other at the end and uh, nobody wins, as you say. All right, look, uh, thanks very much for that, uh, guys, and especially thanks very much, Nikki, for all of your efforts in researching that. Always interesting to know what's going on around the AFL. We don't want to get stuck just... uh, being, uh, you know, only our own club. So it's good to know what's going on. All right, thanks very much. That was Nikki's news for this week. Moving forward uh, now in this week's Crowcast, we've got a preview of the big game, the NAB Challenge, down at uh, Skilled Stadium between Adelaide and Crows. It'll be instalment one of the Pat Dangerfield Cup. We're very, very honoured tonight. We're joined uh, from the uh, the Geelong board by Willow. Willow, how are you going tonight? Very well. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, mate. Thanks very much for joining us. And um, look, kicking off uh, the questions, I suppose now, I think Phoenix is giving you the warning that we can only uh, mention uh, Paddy Dangerfield three times. So we'll get uh, off the bat uh, once. What's the feeling over there on the Geelong board? We we read it every now and then, and it looks uh, like you're all pretty confident over there that he's going to come home. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? It's it's a bit of a mixture at the moment. There's plenty of of confidence in at times bordering overconfidence that he's coming back. Uh and a lot of the complete opposite side of it that uh people are very skeptical and and are not gonna believe a single thing until there's a press conference with Paddy Dangerfield walking out in a Geelong polo. So it's it's very it, I wouldn't say it's split down the middle. There's probably more people that seem pretty confident, but it, there's a, a lot waiting and seeing as well. Is there a concern that if you throw too big of an offer at him, that it might cost you Hawkins? Not so much Hawkins. We've recently, I think yesterday in the, our local paper in the Geelong Addy, they there was a story that Hawkins is very, very close to signing. Basically, they've confirmed he'll be signing a four- or five-year deal probably pretty soon. A new concern seems to be popped up that uh, Motlop, there's not any rush to get him signed up or, or no any rush from his end to sign, uh, apparently. So um, there's a few people getting a bit concerned about that. Um, it, it's likely just due to the fact that he was hurt a fair bit last year and you know, if he has a good year, he'll push his price up. So, and I've heard rumours that Port is circling Motlop. It wouldn't surprise me. That's what it, uh, it's following a pattern with his brother, really, isn't it? We've got a couple of people on our board that if they if they post something, you can pretty much take it to the bank that it's going to happen. 
got anybody yeah. on your board that's got that kind of information that's uh, that's posted anything that you you really you know trustworthy? We've had a few people that are normally pretty reasonable. It's I'm you know I'm still sitting on the fence on it. There's nothing that I've read that has me 100 percent convinced either way. So uh, I don't think at this point we've heard anything from. There's not a, a super reliable bunch of sources anyway. I'll say that. What do you guys think of Dwayne Russell over there? Because he seems to think that Patrick's going to stay. Do you guys um, take anything that he says seriously or, or is he just another voice amongst thousands? Uh, well, it depends who you ask. He he sort of polarises people. Dwayne, a lot of people think he's an idiot. So I'd probably, personally, I'd tend to, to listen to what he says. I understand that he's... He's close with him or he's, he speaks with him. You know, Dwayne Russell's an ex-Geelong player as well, so I'm assuming he'd like to see him come to Geelong. Um, so if, if Dwayne Russell's saying, suggesting that he's not, he's staying in Adelaide, then there could well be, you know, a bit of truth in that. I guess, uh, Willow, there's, uh, we should remember there's a game of footy on, uh, on, uh, on Thursday down at School Stadium. So we should probably have a bit of a look at that. I know from the Adelaide point of view, we've selected a pretty strong team. We've got a, a four or five really strong inclusions, and it looks as though the the coach is wanting to uh, to try and get the team ready uh, for round one. How do you see the Geelong team? Look, we do still have a couple of issues or a few players that we haven't, we're not yet seeing. Um, but it's it's definitely a, a strengthened team from our last game. We played Gold Coast in the first in our first match. Selwood's having a run. We're still waiting to get Steve Johnson's playing in our reserve, so in the VFL. He's playing in the VFL this week. I'd suggest we're almost strengthened. I'm just looking. I mean, it's, it's just a squad initially, so they'll trim a few a few back from it. But realistically, I think it's only sort of Steve Johnson missing. Um, and then maybe potentially a you know a player we brought in, Reece Stanley or Hamish McIntosh. Um, but for the most part, it's we've got a pretty strong side in. I think this week we'll see both teams have a good crack because they they seem to be both you know as you said listing a strong side. They both seem to be getting ready for the season proper. Both teams have got something to prove this year, I think. Geelong's got to prove that they're not, you know, this isn't going to be the year they fall off. We've got to prove we're better than 10th. I think it's actually going to be quite a good match. Hey, look, it has it has the potential. It'll be interesting to see the just the pace of the game and, and how full-on it is for what is just the second of the practice matches. Uh, the feeling on the Geelong board was that we would probably um, name there was a few players like as I said Selwood Hall and Smith's coming in and Jared Rivers are coming back in there was the thought that probably a few like the likes of Enright and Harry Taylor and the likes a couple of those might step out for this week and then we'd have a nearly round one team for our third practice match but it doesn't look like that's going to happen so uh, Geelong we've got a pretty tough start to the year we've got a few games at home but it's you know we we start with Hawthorne and then North Melbourne Frio, so we're playing finalists from last year and it's important we get off to a good start. So I'm, I can only guess they really picked a team based on trying to get everyone rearing to go and and firing for round one. It's it's really interesting. I mean, coming back to the Dangerfield negotiations, that that's not mentioned number two, Pete. Uh, <laughs> with the Dangerfield negotiations, everyone's talking about. Um, you know whether whether the Crows have a good start to the season, whether we have a good season, whether that you know proves to Dangerfield that we're a club on the move, on the rise. And I, I think yeah, if that's true, it could also be true for Geelong. Looking at our schedule, at our fixture, you could say we could we could be at round ten with, let's say six and four, seven and three. But the same could be said of Geelong. I mean, you've you've got a couple of tough games early, but you could very easily be eight and two. I think. I've just walked around to have a look at the fixture now that I've got. At home, we'd be doing very well to be eight and two, but at the same time, um, maybe, maybe eight was a bit dent, bit generous. Yeah, but, but I reckon seven three, you could you could yeah, do. Yeah, and to be honest, from the first ten games, we've got Hawthorne and Sydney, Frio's in Geelong. Sydney, Sydney don't start well though. The start of the year, they're they're the teams you want earlier on in the year. Yeah, but we've got them round seven. And I reckon that's about the time last year when they belted us by about a hundred points. So. It's, you know, we in the first 10 weeks, we've got Hawthorne, Sydney, Frio at home, Gold Coast, you don't know. 
North Melbourne, you don't know. Richmond, you don't know. Collingwood, I don't think will be great. Carlton, I don't think will be great. And West Coast in Perth. So there's a few games that it's it's hard, and it's also hard just not being entirely sure what to expect from the team. It's not like previous years as a Geelong supporter where we've sort of penciled in, you know, nine wins out of ten early. Um, we're sort of looking at it very differently this year. From an Adelaide perspective, uh, just looking at uh, the players that, we, that we've got in, the the story of our round one match to the NAB Challenge was uh, the big Riley O'Brien, uh, the big ruckman, who has um, generated a little bit of press over here through the week and um, looking like he'll take first ruck duties again. How does everybody see Riley O'Brien? And also, I mean, Phil Walsh said that he's pressed that there was no reason if he continued to play well that he wouldn't pick him in round one um, and uh, that, that the heat was on Josh Jenkins. How do we see Riley O'Brien and how do we see the whole setup with Source coming back in as well? Look, I don't I don't see Riley being a, um, a first-round inclusion. Um, I think while she's doing very well in, in pumping the young lad up and also putting some pressure on Josh to, um, you know, lift his game a bit, I, I, I don't think it works for our structure to have the three of them in there, and I think you can't really afford to have our 40-goal centre-half forward omitted from the side for a rookie ruckman who hasn't really proven himself in a key position. It'll be interesting to see if he does play him up forward at all um, on Thursday night. That's what I'm interested to see, if he does throw him forward. Walshie did say that I think Source was only going to play probably about half a game. Yeah, and also he talked about trying Jacobs back and forward as well. So it'll be interesting to see whether he tries him in a key position at some stage. The other issue, of course, is our defence that took up a lot of uh, press time throughout the off-season. How do we see the defence? How do we see uh, Kyle Cheney coming to the side um, and structuring up with um, uh, Tom Hawkins back there and also Mitch Clark, I think, is playing for him as well? How do we see all that working out? Well, you presume that it'd be Hardigan and Talia who get those guys. Yeah, it's how how we match up on the mid-size um, that's going to be interesting. I, I think we match up quite well on Geelong's forward line. I think Willow'd probably agree that Geelong's forward line are a bit hit and miss at the moment and probably fairly Hawkins-focused. Would that be a fair comment, Willow? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's part of the reason that we we picked up Mitch Clark um, and I think sort of to a lesser extent Reece Stanley just to give us some other options we had, you know, they, at the start of last year, they penciled in Vardy to be probably playing the centre half forward role, and, and we let Pods go, obviously, to you guys. And then Vardy did his knee in about a week or two before the season, and Hawk really played a lone hand and did it pretty well for the year. But it's, you know, it wouldn't have been too difficult for the uh, opposition defenders. They would have known where the ball was going more often than not. There was the change in, because you had penciled in Vardy, you had those two tolls and all of a sudden you're now left pretty much with just one toll there. There was a change in the way you were having to bring the ball in and that's what I noticed last year from Geelong, that sometimes the midfield was kicking as if there were possibly still two tolls there. They hadn't adjusted or it took them a while to adjust. With Pods and and, and Tommy, we had obviously two good big marking targets and, and Ottens to a certain extent used to drop forward a few years back and and we always had that get out of jail where we could and it, we used to do it to great effect against Hawthorne who had at that stage undersized or smaller defenders we'd they'd kick the ball on their heads and our tools would just mark it and we'd be fine obviously with Hawk there it just the one target I, there was a bit of hit and miss there was a lot of bombing it in but there was also trying to I think at times we were trying to be too precise passing it into him and and under pressure trying to do lace out perfect passes all the time there was a lot of kicking at his ankles and and knee height as well so they sort of didn't get the balance all that right with it as you said particularly early that didn't help his back did it no not at all but I mean his back held up really well last year did losing Chappie hurt you at all last year did it leave you a bit thin yeah, it probably did. It was one of those it's one of those decisions which is absolutely again, it's it's sort of split the board down the middle. You don't know who to believe. There was talk he was he didn't accept an offer and there was talk that he was only made there was the talk of a, a ten game contract and things like that. The belief is that he was told he couldn't be guaranteed 
any couldn't be guaranteed senior games. We were needing to push through a couple of the younger, the younger small forwards, blokes like Lincoln McCarthy and and a fella George Burberry. And we just haven't had any luck with the guys that they've tried to replace. Burberry got his jaw smashed to pieces by Nick Maxwell in a a nab game last year, and then never had any confidence. It seemed and was for the re- when he came back and was delisted. McCarthy has. Uh, just gone down with a, his second or navicular foot injury. So I can understand the logic. They were trying to get the games into the kids, but it definitely it definitely hurt not having Chappie there. It's a big call, isn't it, getting rid of one of your stalwarts and someone who's obviously been such good value. Yeah, absolutely. From the way I sort of looked at it was the club made the call and they didn't just do it with Chappie. It was with Josh Hunt and, and Pods as well. They made the call that they'd had a group of youngsters on the list for uh, a couple of years, a few years now, and they basically had to try to get some games into them because I got the view that it was a bit of a long-term decision. They probably looked at the, like accepting some short-term pain and and for the long-term game, gain of it all because if you you know if Chappie, Pods, and all those guys had stayed on, played another year or two, the kids low don't get the chances they can go elsewhere it can really thin you out as it's turned out the obviously the kids they sort of looked at for Chappie's role have been hurt or let go anyway but obviously that's not what they were planning for when the decision was made. I was interested to read on our board I think it was yesterday uh, the metric system uh, put a post up and very uh, haven't heard from metric system for quite some time but generally speaking when that poster put something on the board uh, one of those you can take to the bank and mention that neither Grigg or Kerridge will be playing uh, in this game. Were you surprised at that? And do you think that that now um, is, a, um, is, a, is a message to where they're at in terms of the, uh, round one? Kerridge, yes and no, because he was playing up forward, pretty much just up forward. Um, and we do know that he can be played in the midfield. They've brought in, um, what is it, Douglas and Dangerfield. So there's a few more midfielders that they're bringing in. Grigg, though, I had issues with because purely his defensive side is just, it wasn't really there as we expected. I don't think Griggs working hard enough at the moment. Uh, it's really disappointing for a guy who's trying to make his mark. He, I, don't, I don't see him working hard enough on the field. No, I think you're dead right, Phoenix. And I thought that after the, the game against North Melbourne, he just didn't seem to really just own a position and put his uh, selection beyond doubt as, uh, as Jared Lyons did. I think that... Um, uh, yeah, he has been a bit disappointing. All right, well, look, uh, just going around to everybody, uh, what, what are we tipping tomorrow night? I'm going with a game where the result doesn't matter, but how we play does. Yeah, I'm thinking, uh, I think we might actually get over the line, not that it really matters, but I'm going to be interested to see how we set up up forward because um, I think we're going to have a structure much closer to our first round structure Thursday night, so it'll be interesting to see. I think the midfield is where we'll probably see some people only play half a game, so we won't have a full idea on what Walsh is going to do regarding the midfield. But I think the forwards and the backs, to me, are the interesting ones. And Willow? Uh, from a Geelong perspective, we're, I'm probably just looking for an improved performance on on our, our last game. Um, we are giving most of our draftees from last year um, we gave most of them all by one the first game and uh, it looks like we're, they're all getting another crack tomorrow night. So it'll be good to, it'll be good to have a look uh, and see them getting about. From, from our perspective, we're very interested in our ruck set up. It's interesting just when you mentioned before, and apologies because I've forgotten the, the fellow you mentioned's name, the ruckman that you're talking about. Uh, Riley O'Brien. Riley O'Brien. Who has the nickname of Windscreens. Clearly, clearly we know nothing of him at this point. Um, I know there's been a lot of Geelong posters who are actually looking forward to seeing. Our, we've got big Dawson Simpson who has been on the on a list for on our list for about half a dozen years for about 20 games he's had three lots of major back surgery he's a very big unit he's about 209 centimeters he's leaned down a fair bit this year which hopefully helps him stops him from having back issues but there's a lot of interest to see if he is going to be the answer to our ruck problems so there, there was going. There, there'll be a lot of people watching it just to see how he goes running around with Jacobs and and I mean because obviously Jacobs is an absolute quality, absolute quality 
uh, Ruckman, like he wasn't all Australian, was he last year? No, but everybody but pretty much my, says he should I, be. Absolutely robbed, absolutely robbed, in my opinion, when he wasn't um, all Australian. So from our perspective, we're looking forward to seeing how how big Dorse goes, basically. Um, and then just again, Mitch Clark. There's a lot of interest from our end, obviously, with the Mitch Clark. Um, recruitment and the story of it all, and and to see how him and uh, he and Hawk work together, because potentially they could be absolutely lethal together. So uh, that's what we'll probably be looking for. We we know what we're getting with our backline. It's really just looking at I, I, for me personally, seeing how the forwards work and and our ruckman. And how do things go in your household, mate? Because the rest of your family are Crow supporters, aren't they? Not the rest of my family. My family are all Geelong supporters, but my other half. Is an Adelaide girl and a mad Crows fan, and pretty much all her family are Crows. So, and we're living we're living in Geelong, um, so I'm pretty happy. But we're not allowed to mention I'm not allowed to mention Dangerfield, and Dangerfield's her favourite player, and she's going to be absolutely shattered if he leaves. <laughs> and I've tried, and apparently, me suggesting that at least if he leaves and comes to Geelong, it's to her second team doesn't help at all. Yeah, no, good on her. <laughs> All right, well, I guess the uh, the last word in the tips belongs to me and I think that Adelaide tomorrow, or was it tomorrow night, Thursday night, I think it's going to work out like this. I think Adelaide uh, are going to get up by around about 110 points. I think it's going to send the, the crowd into a bit of a stupor. I think there's going to be ugly scenes around the ground. I think that there'll be supporters spitting on the players as they walk up the race that they're just incredibly unhappy with the performance. Paddy We're not da- playing Paddy- Richmond. Paddy Dangerfield is going to look around and he's going to say, why the hell would I want to be playing down here? Look at the way they're treating their players um, and uh, all contract negotiations are off with the Cats. That's as I see it. <laughs> Problem solved. Problem solved. All right, Tom, <laughs> that's the last word. Willow, thanks very much for joining us. We really, really appreciate your input. It helps us uh, a great deal to uh, have a balanced view as to what's happening in the, um, uh, in the game tomorrow night. That's, of course, preview of the big game tomorrow night, Geelong and Adelaide from Skilled Stadium on the TV at 6.40 Adelaide time. Adelaide Football Club. Come on, Jasper, the scoop's in here somewhere. Unten, glieten, glauben, glauben. Don't worry, you're just a muscle. Come on. Watch out, there's Rowie. Get him. the last time I made any sense at all. Unten, Clayton, Clayton. Nice work, Jasper. Come on. Don't worry about him. He's just I'm Robbo. I'm telling you, James Heard has not done one thing wrong. Here's the tour. Quickly, come on. Peru. Hello, Michael. Casper, looking for this? You're listening to the Adelaide Big Footy Crowcast, and we're moving along to our next segment. And uh, we've got a new segment this evening. It is, uh, of course, a board talk, as I said at the top of the show. And uh, this will be a segment where we um, have a bit of a chat about things that are going on in the Adelaide board. Uh, we're very lucky this evening uh, to have the big fella joining us. He's, of course, uh, one of the most, um, if not the most respected moderator on our board. And um, we want to have a chat to him tonight about uh, a very, very special meeting that he had. Big fella, good evening. How are you? The- Oh, very well, thank you. Thank you for the welcome. It's easy to be uh, respected when uh, everyone else is still fairly new to the job, so I wouldn't uh, put too much stock in that. No, you do a great job, mate. And um, we wanted to uh, have a bit of a chat to you tonight um, about the, the meeting that you had. It was uh, almost an unprecedented meeting for, for a group from a social media platform like we are to, uh, to actually go down and get an audience with the CEO and the communications manager. It must have been a great thrill to have pulled that off. It was actually pretty good, and I guess you used the word unprecedented, but um, what spurred me to ask actually was when Fagan was reaching out to the uh, Big Footy Pride group, and he'd already organised a, a catch-up with them, uh, and then also he was uh, organising that Twitter Q&A. Um, so I just thought, well, he's already reached out to a couple of other uh, social media sources, and Big Footy's clearly the best, so why not uh, get our name in the mix? Uh, so I asked the question. It took a took a couple of months of back and forths and delays uh, in communication to actually make it happen, but it, we pulled it off and uh, we had a great time. So, uh, big fella, just in terms of uh, the, the platform that you established for, for ongoing communications, can you give us a bit of a thumbnail sketch of that? 
Yeah, so I guess one of, one of the key things I wanted to achieve going into it was there was a lot of suggestions for everyone on the board about different ways, uh, different things we should be saying, different topics we should be discussing. But the key thing for me was trying to establish uh, a bit of an ongoing engagement with them. I had a few ideas from talking to Chief and a few of the others, uh, the Richmond board and the Hawthorne board had done similar things in the past around things we could do. Uh, so my main objective was to try and make sure we had something that would continue uh, the engagement, not just be a once-off. So Fagan and Schultz are actually pretty prepared to talk about that, but they sort of said, we'll talk about that towards the end of the session and they were keen just to just to have a more general chat uh, and let Hank loose on the on the Guernsey topic. But um, I brought it up first and we talked through and basically we're doing this season um, preview and season review questions, which we've got going on right now. And uh, Nikki's going to kindly review that for me, uh, hopefully in the next 24 hours. Um, but they did uh, talk about trying to do another session like that later on uh, in the year. Uh, and they were certainly keen and very open to any time we wanted to contact them around any particular burning issue. Um, that we could reach out to them and, and have that connection. Um, they also offered to put us on the media release uh, list, which I've often um, posted onto the board now when, when certain media interviews are coming up. Uh, there's been nothing too juicy there yet, um, and I get the impression uh, the minute they send out the emails that were on that list, it sort of hits the website and other sources anyway, but it's still good to, to have that uh, first and immediate insight into what's going on from the club point of view. Um, so they, they were just really open and happy to share with us what they could uh, and committed to doing those Q&A sessions for us at the beginning of the season and then to try and have similar catch-ups with uh, people in the future. They're obviously trying to invoke a, a culture change down at the club um, and therefore, even though it's supposedly a spin-free zone now, it, it's got a, a new flavour of spin really. Do, do you detect, uh, to use their term, an authenticity down at the club now? I did. I did. Um, the word was used heavily uh, in the session that we had with them, um, and, but but we really did feel it. Uh, I guess it's sort of hard to describe um, the way it was, but uh, are quite frank and open about the things they would talk about uh, and the things that, that they said, this is just for the room only. There wasn't too many of those, uh, but they were certainly very keen to, to be authentic and to stay connected in that way. And I've, I've not seen any behaviour or actions from them either face-to-face -face or through the way they communicate through the media uh, that, that um, contradicts that. That's the impression I got the, uh, the AGM as well. Um, and even how Chapman actually answered um, one of those contentious questions that came up, that, that felt um, a lot different than what we've experienced in the past. It did, and I guess even I think uh, what resonated with me really well the other day was Welshie's um, media conference, and every every one of them's been uh, impressive, I guess, in, in his simplicity and directness. And if he doesn't want to answer something, he, he won't answer it. He might raise his eyebrows and roll his eyes a few times as well, but um, he's been very blunt and, and direct around what he will and won't answer and, and, and happy to talk about the things he's happy to talk about rather than rather than creating spin. Now, obviously, without asking you to share anything you're not allowed to share, did you did you gain any anything from those room only kind of discussions? Was there anything in there that uh, either gave you hope, gave you dread? Did you did you get a sense of anything that that you can share? I guess the impression of rather than the actual information you learned. I guess it was one of the things as well that uh, that came up at the AGM, Nikki, if you recall. It was around this branding and marketing uh, change that they're going to release, and we haven't seen what it actually is yet. But he certainly, the way Fagan talked about it in that room, and then I guess he reiterated a lot of that at the AGM and expanded on it a little bit further without still releasing the whole plan, and it's going to come out in the next couple of months. Um, just the way he talked about how messaging within the club was confused uh, when he came on board. Um, there'd be certain people who would say certain things or there'd be certain material uh, communicating a certain set of values in different places around the club that, that didn't necessarily align. Um, together strongly. So one of the things he really wanted to do is get back to basics and redefine what the club stood for and how they wanted to communicate that consistently uh, through all the channels that they had available, both internally and externally within the club. Uh, and he reinforced that again at the AGM, and I'm really looking forward to that over the next, I guess, six to weeks to eight weeks. And I'm actually thinking they've been building off and holding off. This is just my thoughts uh, over the whole preseason. I guess things have been pretty quiet from a footy department perspective especially. And I think as the season starts to come to fruition, we'll start seeing some really exciting news released. I wonder as well um, whether the meetings they've been having with like the board and the pride group, et cetera, whether that's been kind of feeding into that review as well. Um, because a number of years ago, I was actually invited by the club um, to come down and talk about that, the 
the values of the club and, and what I saw as a supporter and a few other things um, they asked about. And and we talked about the uncompromising, inclusive and proud and I actually pointed out to them that they're actually in the wrong order, that the way you say it, it, it doesn't work if you look at what the words mean. So I know the club previously has talked to supporters and kept it quiet, but my, that's my impression is that um, part of this is uh, those meetings that have been happening is probably feeding into that review a bit as well. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, I actually had another opportunity to attend a different members function um, through someone who worked at the club and reached out to me because they knew I was interested. And I, I made them aware that I had this other opportunity. Uh, and they said, well, you better not go twice then, which was fair enough. But so they've, they've certainly been doing a lot of these members meetings. I think I think you mentioned at the AGM, Nikki, he actually has done some just randomly, just grabbing groups of members together. Um, and so it's not just the social media groups or other groups that they're targeting, but it's also just getting groups of members together to get, get input into the club. Any impression at all about changes to the match day experience? Didn't go into that too much when we were there. It touched on it a little bit, but he certainly touched on it again at the AGM, um, that they're looking into that. He teased uh, at the AGM. Yeah, and, and I think this is what the, kind of the, the vibe I'm getting from the club at the moment. It's, it's just a lot of, it, it, as we know, they've been so good at not sharing information until they're ready to since, since Fagan's come on board. Um, and, and so I, do, I just get the sense they're building and they've got a very deliberate plan around how they're going to release it all. And as we get closer to the start of the season, I think some of the marketing and branding changes will start to get released and then they'll start hitting us hard with some of these match day experience changes as well. I'm actually reasonably optimistic, but at the same time, they can't, no one can say they've set a certain expectation because they've been very careful with how they've managed uh, releasing information before they're ready to do so. Yeah, they've certainly taken control of communication. Yep. Big fella. Well, part of this board talk session is that we uh, have to put you under the spotlight a little bit. And uh, considering you're the first person to bravely put up your hand, um, I won't go too hard on you, um, but I will fire some questions your way. Come on, mate. Give it to me. Okay. Uh, so first of all, just to give a bit of a profile of who you are to some of the board members that uh, might not know, how long have you been on the board and what made you join in the first place? Uh, I think I joined up uh, this typically on the left-hand side this September 2005, I think. Might have been four, five. I started reading in 2004. Um, I went overseas uh, just to experience life, and I went worked and lived in Canada. And uh, sort of 2004 season, the time I was going overseas, I'd kind of dialed out of, and Kerry was Kerry was retiring, and Ayers was getting the arse, and all those kind of things were going on. Um, but I really missed my footy and I really wanted to try and stay in touch. And I had a, a buddy who's actually a port supporter who put me onto big footy and I sort of followed along for a year before I, I joined up and started to um, contribute and I've been enjoying it ever since. Now, they reckon that uh, it takes a special kind of person and I'd use special in the unkind as possible way uh, to want to be a moderator. Uh, so, <laughs> so, So tell me, mate, what made you want to be a moderator? Um, it's interesting because I think uh, when the process was um, going through where I got nominated, everyone was sort of saying I, I wanted the job and I was um, positioning myself for it before it happened, which, which wasn't quite true. Uh, it just, I guess my personality type seemed to suit the job in some ways uh, and I wanted to give back to the board a little because I'd enjoyed so much the way it enabled me to stay in touch with the footy and, and the club and people back home. Uh, in a general sense, uh, while I was overseas for three and a half years. Um, uh, Stabby and I had had a few chats, actually, around the infamous uh, Red Card Festival, for those of you who are around and remember it, uh, around what they could Absolutely. do. Sorry, oh, was that? Chief loves those. Chief. <laughs> Chief. Chief loves those. But, yes, yeah, so Stabby and I have had chats before in the past around um, moderating style and what might appeal. I guess Stabby and I always got along pretty well. He was looking for second opinions on things, so I guess that made it a... It's an easy nomination and a, a good fit when the opportunity came up to join. So, yeah, I was just keen to get back, I guess. I'm curious, who do you have to deal with reports from or of the most, and, and why is it Nikki? <laughs> well, I'm it, a good girl, I it, am. It, Nikki's a very good girl. I probably deal with more um, not frequent personal messages, but when you do get personal messages from Nikki, it's, it's normally a 48-hour chat. Um, which is always good fun. Uh, from a report point of view, oh, look, you could probably 
probably throw out a couple of names, and you'd probably be spot on in terms of who might get reported the most. Um, oh, I could take. I could, <laughs> I could probably know fairly well who gets yeah. the most. Yep. Um, I, I guess uh, generically as a group, it's the random port trolls that, that get reported the most. Um, uh, I, I Sometimes I, when I was a mod, I really wanted to report the Adelaide people who would bite back instead of reporting them. Well, that, that certainly, I mean, that, that was certainly a culture that I guess started with yourself and Kane way back. And it's certainly something that the moderated group um, have shared and tried to perpetuate the whole way through that we, we expect people on the Adelaide board to report and not, uh, retaliate um, and try and create that sort of almost self-moderating environment. And fr- from my point of view, I have a busy nine-to-five kind of job like most of us do. Um, during the day, it's really hard to to moderate all the time. So um, the more people can self-moderate and control themselves, the better it is for us and, and well, better it is for the board, really, because I don't care. I just catch up when I get home. Yeah, you guys don't take every post like we used to have to. Uh, I can safely say I do not read every post. You're lucky. Have you actually perma-banned anyone yet? Have I perma-banned everyone? Um, yeah, everyone. Not, not, that, that'd not, make it very boring. Not, not quite. I, I had a, a, a port troll the other day who uh, got stuck into me for um, uh, giving them an infraction, uh, and then they, uh, uh, I sort of asked stupidly uh, Ford and um, Macca to, to see if they could help out and get them a bit, a bit more calm and uh, respectful uh, and they were, were no help at all um, which is not unfair uh, but then uh, one of the super mods jumped in and increased the band a bit and they got banned for a period of time I don't think it's quite a perma ban yet but they went close Now tell me what's the story behind Dream Team Buff he seems to get left off of all moderator lists well what's his status So he's a moderator He smells Does he? Well there you go um, uh, he, he actually moderates a different board. He's actually not a moderator for our board. So I think he's a moderator on the – no, it's not the video game board, but some other board. So he's a moderator on Big Footy, but not for the Crows board. So we don't have to listen to what he says. You don't have to listen to what he says. And you don't have to read the threats when they start three weeks early. He's an eager beaver. He is. He's a great guy. And we actually, we actually, he actually, um, he's a very, he's very good at reporting posts for us to, to look at later when we get time. Um, so if he was a moderator on our board, that might help sometimes, but he, he's busy doing the other boards. So. And is there any truth in the rumour that Sanders is actually Chromo? Is there any truth in the rumour? I've looked in, no. I've looked, I've looked into the rumour. I've uh, moderated, can see where IP addresses originate from. That has increased the strength of the rumour for me, uh, but it's never been fully confirmed. There are other people on the board who used to know Cromo who have also asked similar questions, and I don't think they've had conclusive answers either. See, I don't think it is because Cromo used to hate me on boards, and yet Sanders actually likes some of my posts, so that Cromo just wouldn't do that. So I seriously doubt it's actually Possibly here. Possibly not. I know uh, Cromo and I exchanged emails back in the day, uh, and then he, he ran off to a uh, competitor board for a while, which I, I sort of had a bit of a look and play with as well. At one point when someone was discussing openly on, on Big Footy some of the events that went down around the Red Card Festival, which saw him perma-banned, uh, I made a couple of remarks that I was aware of certain things, uh, and he actually tweeted tweeted to me, calling me out as a liar. So uh, Sanders has never confronted me with those sorts of things, so who knows? I don't know. Can can someone can someone explain to a relative board noob like myself why Promo and Sanders being the same person is interesting and what this famous red card festival is? <laughs> so uh, as you probably noticed, uh, certain posters have have their own style. Uh, Chromo probably had one of the most uh, pronounced styles back in the day, and I think the best way I've I've heard him described, and Nikki might have a have her own view of how to describe him as well, which we can get in a minute. Um, someone can uh, describe him as the bullshit police. So if anyone, any poster, whether an Adelaide Crows board poster or, or from another board, come up with some waffle that they just said for the sake of saying or putting up some kind of semantic argument, he would shoot them down in flames and make them feel a bit one inch tall uh, with about five words. I think one inch is being generous. <laughs> I think one inch is being generous. <laughs> uh, and and he, would, he would rip people to shreds, basically. Uh, but... Not not in a abusive way necessarily. Some might say uh, at times it might have been, um, but he he was just a really good bullshit police kind of person. He had a bit of a, I guess a following from some parts who really respected that ability that he brought to the table, um, uh, and he and because of that, um, because of who he was, I guess when he was eventually permit banned, there was a bit of a 
uh, angst from some parts of the board about that because some people didn't want to see him go. Um, but to the best of my understanding of the situation, uh, it, it, he had every opportunity to back away from the way he was acting and he chose not to. And so he ended up copping the perma ban. So um, people are always interested if people reappear as new posters who are maybe old posters when they're perma banned because strictly speaking, that shouldn't happen either. I liked Chromo a quite a bit, but we did have a lot of discussion with him about his behaviour and trying to get him to change it, and he wasn't going to do it. Um, He's a very intelligent man, very good at ripping people to shreds and very good at not getting carded because he could argue his way around semantics. But, yeah, it, it just got to a point that it was like, nah, sorry, it's just making it too bad, and, yeah, bye. <laughs> and And so what this... This this festival, you keep... Go ahead. Yeah, before we get to the festival, so um, I'm not sure if this is... I might have alluded to this before on the board or not. The rumours are he actually applied for the CEO job. That wouldn't have surprised me. So I think this circles he, he worked in and the experience he had, um, I, 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 think he, I think he may have interviewed, is what I've heard. So that's it. I did know a bit of people. his background, and yes, he was fairly high up. So with, with regards to this festival, um, apparently it was something to do with everyone heaping praise on Neil Craig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, let's, let's say that. No, so I think I think the Red Card Festival wasn't so much about um, what was happening at the club. I guess it was a reflection on, on how the board uh, was at the time, and it was probably back in, oh, gee, when was it, Nikki, 2010? Uh, or was it 11? I think it was late I think it 10. I might have been late 10. Yeah, it was 2010. 2010 when uh, I guess... <sighs> I guess the pro-Craig camp and the, the anti-Craig camp were, were forming very distinct bad lines and, and daily flame wars were, were breaking out and um, people were losing their temper. And um, it's kind of like the stuff you see going round and round in circles around the whole re-signing of danger, slowing in that thread, but with a lot more anger and a lot more, um, I guess there was, there was a lot less hope back then. So it quickly degenerated into a lot of really angry posting at times. And so, um, as Nikki was saying, Chief created these kind of red card festivals where the, the tolerance for that kind of behaviour was uh, deliberately lowered and red cards were handed out at the and moment. And he has done it again recently. To try and keep He's things under control. done it again recently on the Hot Topic, Hot Topic board. Yeah, there was a little, fe- little festival of red cards occurred over there. Okay. I don't tend to read many other boards. I don't have time. Just to finish up, I've got uh, half a dozen, or the, I'm going to call it the dirty half a dozen. Sure. So they're just uh, quick fire answers uh, to some very insightful questions. So number one, uh, is Danger leaving, yes or no? No. If you had a duffel coat, would you have Fagan on the back of it? Tex. Tex. Uh, Kylie or Danny? Danny. If you could meet one poster, who would it be and why? Chromo. For all the reasons we've discussed. Because. Right. Um, does it annoy you that people still call you allergic? I didn't realise people still did, and no. Wait, isn't your name allergic? Only if you misspell it, mate. Just look at it in a mirror. <laughs> and and last but not least, are the Crows going to make the eight this year? I think so. I think they will. Well, thanks, mate, for taking the virginity of board talk and the um, dirty half a dozen. The dirty cherry popping half dozen. I hear that. Beautiful work, Phoenix. Thanks very much for that. And thanks very much, big fella, for joining us tonight and uh, being the first one to put their hands up and come in and have a chat to us on the Board Talk segment. All right, well, that uh, takes us just about towards the the end of Crowcast Episode 3. Um, I'd like to uh, thank the uh, panellists for joining me tonight. Uh, Specious, thanks very much for your efforts tonight. Thanks, Pete, and good night, John Boy. Nikki, thanks very much once again for all of your uh, uh, valuable insights as always. Not a problem. For those who are interested, I have Ugg boots on my feet at the moment. How did you know I was interested? Which actually reminds me, uh, and we'll have to put that off for next week, Nikki, but uh, there is a lot to be discussed in relation to your feet, obviously. Um, Phoenix as well. Oh, dear. Phoenix, thanks very much for your efforts tonight. And um, uh, again, in advance, thanks very much for all of your uh, terrific edit- editing skills. Yeah, no worries. I've got a bit of work to do in a minute.
Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys, for the opportunity to come on. I realised I didn't say thank you before. Thanks, guys, for the opportunity to come on. And if you need some uh, actual commentary on Nikki's feet, I have seen them. So let me know. Thanks very much, big fella. We really appreciate it. All right, uh, that brings us to the close of episode three of the Crowcast. And uh, once again, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at uh, at BF Crowcast. And we look forward to joining you once again next week when we uh, look at the Crows' next game. We look at all the news around the AFL as we have done and we'll probably uh, trawl up a couple of special guests as well. Thanks very much and we'll see you again next week. Out of interest for you, I have actually perma-banned somebody. You've been listening to Crowcast, brought to you by Kazmar for all your live production and studio recording needs. See you at the footy. Ooh, see that girl.